Welcome to the Front End Podcast. We explore the ins and outs of life as a developer. We delve into challenging topics around modern day development and technology, including learning, professional growth, programming languages, frameworks, tools, techniques, UX, UI, careers, and so much more. So joining us today is the web's very own web witch, Stephanie Stymac. I did not stress about how to pronounce Stymac for several minutes, including finding an old video of a podcast you're on just to say how you pronounce it. And then I've gone and spoiled the game anyway by uh, telling you that. Uh, Stephanie is a design technologist and she lives somewhere in between the role of a designer and developer with a background in digital design and many years building things from wireframe to code. Uh, she finds herself currently working in the Microsoft Edge developer experiences team. That's quite a mouthful, but it sounds very exciting. We're very pleased to have you on the show. Thanks so much for giving up your time. Uh, how's everything going? Good. Thanks for having me today. No, no problem. We like a wide variety of guests. You know, where where, where are you based in the... Uh, I, I see your Twitter profile says you prefer Scotland, but you're, you're based stateside, I'm going to guess. Yeah, uh, I'm based in the Seattle area, but definitely prefer Scotland. If TV and movie have taught us nothing else, it's that Seattle rains a lot. So you're probably quite familiar with the Scot- Scottish weather. <laughs> it's probably very similar. It's very, very similar. Yep. Except the summer. Right now it's it's perfect. And that's about to all end. So we, we've, <laughs> we've had our one week of British summer. We get like a week in May and then we maybe get like a couple of weeks in August where it's too hot for us. We're all like 27 degrees. We can't handle that. Yep. And then it goes back downhill into just wetness and then Christmas. And then that's that's kind of it. One of the things we like to talk about a lot on the show is kind of people's paths into tech. And I think, you know, that's something you and I discussed because I think you've had quite an interesting meander into it. So origin stories come up a lot and, you know, it's very interesting. And I think it's important to give people exposure to how other people get into designing and developing and tech because it's, it doesn't have like a predefined route. You know, if you want to be like a doctor, mm-hmm. you have to kind of go to college or university and then go do your med school uh, residency or whatever that is. And then you kind of, you know, get qualified and then you're allowed to chop limbs off and, and poke people and stuff. But with tech, you can come in a wide variety of, of paths. So how did you find your way into a, a tech career? Oh, well, I'm going to go like all like pretty far back. So when I was in high school, so like 17, 18, years old. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I really loved fashion and I really, really wanted to be a fashion designer. And like, this is at the height of a a TV show called Project Runway. Yes. And I, I used to watch that religiously and I was like, you know what? I think that's what I want to do. And I had never taken like any art classes, but I did kind of have like an artsy side. And I actually spent like quite a bit of time on learning how to use Photoshop. And so I took an art class my senior year of high school, so my final year, and tried to put together like a portfolio. And I had a really bad experience at a portfolio review where there were a bunch of different universities. And I went to like the top fashion university to get like a portfolio review. And it was so the way that they critiqued my portfolio was so devastating to me that I was like, I, I don't want to do fashion at all. And I, it, it like, it was terrible. And I was so dejected and I ended up like checking out a couple other universities at this portfolio review. And so I went to one and inquired about like graphic design and the, the woman was like, oh, you actually have a really good eye. And what I was showing her was 
the things that I had created in Photoshop for Life Journal and just like random CD covers for like Depeche Mode because I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan <laughs> and just like things that I had put together. And she was like, you would be a good designer. And so I ended up staying home and attending community college, which is just like a cheaper version of a university and doing a bunch of art classes to sort of get like my foundation in design. And then I ended up going to university here in Washington state and getting a degree in digital media design. And I ended up in a path for web design. And I, I actually talked about this in, in a talk that I did recently. My career path in the college was web design, but most of it was like focused on the visual aspects and not a lot of code. And any of the code that we did learn was more, it, so it was action script for Flash and how to use Flash to build websites. And I had the perfect like timing of graduating college and then Flash as a medium for web design died within like a year. <laughs> and I had this very, very useless skill now. But I really loved like designing for the web. I didn't enjoy typical design like logos and whatnot. I really enjoyed building this whole experience for a user. And so after that, I ended up at a startup here in Bellevue, which is outside of Seattle. And I was there for a year. Then I got a job at a creative agency as a designer. Like, yes, that's what you want to be doing. You want to be at an agency. And I spent four years there. And that's where I really, really fell in love with the web. So I knew like basic HTML and CSS. I was responsible for an entire life cycle of a project. So I would do the research, the user experience stuff, wireframes, visual design. And then I would build it in code and anything else that like anything that involved JavaScript or like more complex interactivity that was just outside my skill set, we would hire someone. After four years there, someone actually reached out to me from the Microsoft Edge team and was like, would you be interested coming to the Edge team as a designer, but in the role of a program manager? And I was like, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And that's how I got into Microsoft. So I was interviewed and did the whole interview loop. And then my role since then has evolved out of design and into a more program manager role. But that's how I got into tech. It started as design. And then I ended up really just falling into this world of like standards and developer experience that I really, really love. That's amazing. It's great how you've got to where you've got to and where you are, but it's a shame that it had to uh, come from such a devastating kind of review. I think, I don't know what it's like at that kind of top elite end, you know, whether they seem to be like, we haven't got time for niceties or for kind of cushioning the blow with any kind of sugar. It's just like, here's the truth. And it feels like, yeah. uh, it feels like the devil wears Prada, you know, the movie where yeah. it's just like, you're crap, get out. And it's such a, I, you know, I always try and think you've got to somehow find a positive somewhere, like whether you're doing code reviews or just... But that's that's devastating that they were so harsh. But look where it's got you. That's amazing. It's part of the Microsoft Edge team. I like the fact that they kind of headhunted you into that. And that's a great story about taking opportunities and kind of, I suppose, you know, making the lemonade with the lemons that life will just brutally sort of drop on you. But program manager for Edge developer experiences, that sounds really interesting. What does that entail? 
So I'm on so the, the developer experiences team is made up of three different teams. So there's the dev tools team, there's the web apps team, and then the ecosystem team. And I'm on the ecosystem team and we're kind of this scrappy little team. It's just me and three or four other people. And so we own like developer documentation. There's a developer portal for Edge. I own uh, part of that and like the experience around that and sort of help make decisions on like what content goes on there. And then we we kind of get to plug into other teams. So I work with the HTML platform team. I'm sort of in this developer relations role a little bit. So I work with my coworker, Melanie Richards, who owns like HTML controls work right now and improving yeah. those. And so I work with her and then I basically go tell the story at like conferences or write blog posts because she's busy actually like specking out a feature and how that works. So when we want to share that work with the developer community, so I go out and do that for her. And I really enjoy that. I also own something called the web we want, which is focused on getting developer feedback on what's missing from the web platform. And the cool thing about that is it's not an edge specific thing. It's just the web platform as a whole. So we go out and ask developers it, if you could wave a magic wand and change anything about the web platform or dev tools, like what would it be? And we've gotten like 250 submissions to that, like 150 wow. of those are actually like um, legitimate feature requests. And they, they span from like JavaScript APIs to I want to be able to like change this one thing in dev tools. That's like a tiny little feature, but, and if we're working with, people at Mozilla and Agalia and Chrome and Samsung internet. And so it's not just like an edge thing. It's for the web platform all up and standards groups. And so like some of these things are things that like aren't even, haven't even been introduced to standards groups yet. So we're just like a pot of ideas to pull from. That sounds like a really interesting role. It's, it's something I'd, I think, eventually like to go in, you know, when I kind of like lose the will to live on the bleeding edge of like <laughs> JavaScript and thing. That, that whole DevRel thing, it seems to have come about. It feels like overnight, but I think it's been a few years. But it, it seems quite an interesting area for, you know, to, to help developers get the best out of development. I think it's nice that Microsoft are leading it because I think arguably a lot of people would agree that Hither to Edge, which I must admit is quite good. It feels like a dirty secret to admit it, but I've been using it for the past few weeks. I'm like, I really like it. But hitherto, like Internet Explorer has not been everyone's kind of favorite browser, certainly not as a developer, mainly because it did its own kind of thing with standards that a lot of other people didn't get on board with. <laughs> it's nice yep. that Microsoft and Edge are kind of pushing this. Let's all get, you know, let's all get some great standards. What are some of the best parts of, of being a program manager for dev experiences? So for me personally, I, I actually love, and I, of course, who doesn't love to go to conferences and, and do all that, even though like we can't do that right now, but I actually love talking to developers and finding out like, what do you not like about our product and what would you change and how can we make it better? And like, I just really enjoy those conversations and talking to people and, and being someone who can sort of bridge the gap. Like I love getting tweets from people asking questions about edge. And if I can direct them to like the developer documentation and help them solve a problem, like I feel good. <laughs> so that's, that's what I love. And then like, 
my my program manager role is a little bit different because most of the program managers, other teams like the HTML platform team, they're feature PMs. So they get to spec out, again, features like how this thing is supposed to work and whatnot. And I did that for a little bit for the dev tools. And it is interesting, but not my favorite, not my favorite thing. In terms of, you know, experience and things, it looks like you've got quite a broad wealth of, of the kind of design and dev side of the coins. Do you, do you have one that you prefer rather than the other? It sounds quite people heavy and, mm-hmm. and sort of documentation heavy, which again, secretly I quite like, I really quite like documentation, but it sounds like it's more of the design and, and documentation side that you're doing now. Do you, do you have a kind of preference for design and dev? You know, I think a year ago I would have said design, but I love code and I, well, you know what? I, I don't, I like both. And I think that's why I, like, I'm a designer, but I love to build my designs because I have control over how yeah. that thing is supposed to look. <laughs> but I would say definitely now, like, I like program management because I'm solving problems in a different way. Like, as a designer, you solve problems, like, visually. As a program manager, you're solving a much larger problem with lots of different components as opposed to like with design you're just pushing pixels sometimes and you've been involved with webhint which again i'm learning loads of new stuff i think that's one of the things i quite like about you know tech is that there's always something new to learn and you know you work in these little boxes and you talk to some other people and you get out the boxes i've just discovered through researching yourself sounds a lot creepier than it is <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> there is is webhint i've installed it on vs code and it's it's really good you know running the scan and and seeing what parts of your website can be improved and things how did you mm-hmm. get involved with the webhint is that something kind of you own or you started with or you just kind of collaborate on or how, how does that work so that was a project i think my second year that we started on the edge team and I was involved with that from the beginning. I'm not as involved any anymore because my time is all with the web we want and the evangelism stuff. So there was an old developer portal and there was a site scanner on that website. It was basically for Internet Explorer and to like help people, help developers like update their code at, or so that it was compatible with Internet Explorer. And it was very targeted. And the owner of that project, Anton, he had this bigger vision to make like a site scanner that was, wasn't was so targeted. And he wanted it to include a bunch of different categories for scanning. I was the designer for that. If you go to webhint.io, I led the experience for the website and sort of picked the mascot, uh, the little narwhal. And <laughs> she's my baby. That's, that's Nelly the narwhal. And... Yeah, so I just led all the design of that and, and did like have some opinions on like the type of hints that we scan for, but that lives under our dev tools team now and, and that there's still there's a browser extension as well for it that I did do the design on and then the VS Code extension. I love that little now all. I, I don't know anything C-based. Kind of love it. Like, um, I know Docker's got the cute... I mean, I don't understand as a front-end developer what the hell Docker does, but I love the little logo with the kind of shipping containers and it does <laughs> something with containers. That's as much as we know. But yeah, anything, yeah. <laughs> anything, anything marine-themed. Um, now, I think both with 
the the edge stuff and then like web hint and everything else it sounds like there's quite a good mixture of organic opportunities that came along but also kind of taking advantage of them and i know it's something we discussed about you know what we're going to talk about and hear about look and making your own what are your thoughts on that that kind of idea of look and then coupled with kind of making your own look really I actually gave a conference talk last year in Scotland. It was my first conference talk. And so the conference theme was luck. Uh, this was design it, build it in Scotland. I was like, when I submitted my CFP for it, I was like, oh, I have a story about luck. Because how I got my job at Microsoft was not like, I would never have expected to like be contacted and gotten an interview the way that I did. So I, I mean, I live in Seattle. That's where Microsoft is headquartered. So of course, like in the past, I had tried to get a job at Microsoft and it like, there's just so many open positions and it does feel like your application goes to a black hole. Like if you don't know anyone and I had never heard back. So I kind of gave up on getting a job at any of these big tech companies. And I was pretty active. I mean, I'm still active on Twitter, but it like, this was like 2015. I followed quite a few people like in different career areas than design. And so I was following a couple people who worked at Microsoft who were like software developers in like this world that I knew nothing about. I liked someone's tweet, again, a Microsoft employee, And the person who was on the edge team had like opened up that tweet to see who had liked it and happened to like click on my profile and see that I was a designer. And I had my portfolio link in my Twitter profile. And he then went to my portfolio and then messaged me about this opening on the edge team. And I was just a moment of like, if I hadn't have liked that tweet, I don't think I would have gotten a job at Microsoft. And so it was just this moment of like, like, what are the chances of that? But also there's this other aspect of like, yes, I was tweeting a lot, but I, I also had like my portfolio in my Twitter profile and I always kept it up to date. I mean, the opening of the tweet and seeing that I had liked it was super random, but I was choosing to sort of show up on the internet in a certain way and like present myself as I am a designer And then even though I don't tweet about strictly design, I had sort of created this opportunity for someone to find me that way, even though that wasn't necessarily my intention, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's that's something people miss out on a lot. You know, it's like successful people, sometimes they do have, you know, a good bit of fortune or a good start behind them. But a lot of it is just... I suppose giving yourself the tools and the and the opportunity to get opportunities. Like if you've got a Twitter profile, you just make a Twitter profile. You don't change your profile pic and you just put like, hi, I'm Dave and like leave it. Nothing's going to happen. And because yeah. who cares, right? There's billions of people on Twitter. I think you've got to kind of work at it. And, you know, like you said, have links to things. People are interested, they click. But if you don't give them the opportunity to find out more about you and, and how you might either help them or you might be useful, and then keep your ears open. I'm technically a senior AWS engineer. I, I do not know enough about AWS to be called that. But that's what I do. And I got that job because I applied for a different one. And they went, oh, yeah, this isn't really for you but I've got this other one and I and I said yeah I, I don't really know enough about AWS are you sure you want to put me forward for that but I went ah screw it we'll do it anyway and and here I am you know like x months later I mean on social media you've got quite uh quite a, a decent following 
you know, on various places like Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Is mm-hmm. that something you kind of work a lot at? And in terms of kind of personal brand, is it something you recommend people get and any tips for, for them looking to kind of grow that? So when it comes to Instagram, I'll say that that's sort of a separate thing. So I, I used to run a fashion blog and a, a lifestyle blog, and that was more geared. To, Instagram was more geared towards that. And I still post like outfits and whatnot on Instagram. I don't have any tips for trying to get followers on there because Instagram is such a weird platform. I'm not even on it. <laughs> what, what would I post? You know, it's like I work from home in this office. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Just uh, just a day-by-day scan of like a different bit of my wall. It's like, (laughs) there's nothing there. Twitter, so at least my thing with Twitter is, if you follow me, you're not getting just tech like and Microsoft stuff. You're getting, like, I'm a huge fangirl. I just share, like, bits of who I am. And even some of the, like, style stuff on Instagram makes its way to my Twitter. So with Twitter, like, you will get the tech stuff, but you're getting me as a whole person and I think I'm pretty authentic to like who I am as a person on Twitter and just what I tweet so and that seems to have worked out well for me that's why I try and do a blend of it's like (laughs) everywhere is a bit of a dichotomy with me if you listen to Spotify I would literally have something like Slayer and then the next thing will be like a really catchy Disney tune I love I love uh, (laughs) Under the Sea and yeah the like Little Mermaid songs and stuff so it's like really weird and Twitter's the same it'll be really motivational you can do it. it just keep learning and then it'll be the next one it'd be some kind of graphic shit post about kind of html's not a not a programming language or like that. <laughs> I mean, on that you should give uh stephanie a, a follow on twitter i caught one of your cocktail streams the other day it was great it was just like the the last one you did was like you slid in like tom cruise out of risky business and it was kind of like hey we're doing cocktails and then straight out the gate you had a troll and you could just like well you can fuck off and then just started doing the cocktail and i was like yes you know this is the sort of stuff i live for so that's the kind of mix of stuff you can expect if you follow uh, stephanie uh, yeah. who's got the one of the best Twitter handles outside of mine, which is Sea uh, Otter with an A instead of an ER. Amazing. I see you're a very active speaker as well. How have you found it with, with 2020? I've interviewed a few people who were speakers and we were talking about it and I was like, yeah, conferences are the best thing ever, but don't go to them now. Have you found that it's, how have you found it in 2020? Has it kind of changed for you? Yeah, it has. So I actually, I had a whole lineup for the spring. I was so excited because again, like I know last year, I never thought I'd speak at a conference. And then I did the one in Scotland and was like, yeah, I can do this. And I was supposed to speak in like New Zealand. I had like eight weeks, I think, of just travel lined up. And I got to one meetup in Newcastle. Like I made it to the UK right before Microsoft put a travel ban in place because of COVID. That was like my final hurrah. And then they, I couldn't travel for anything else and everything I think got canceled or postponed. And so I just had my first postponed conference. I presented remotely for FrontCon two weeks last week or a week and a half ago. That was quite interesting. I think I prefer actually like having 200 people in front of me as opposed to looking at my slides and not being able to see anyone because the thing that I found was when you don't get that feedback from the audience there were a couple points that I know that like I tripped up and like misspoke over my words and so I was just sat there with like that sort of <laughs> failure and and so like the parts that I assume went well 
I didn't have like the audience feedback to confirm that. It was an interesting experience and I, I have a couple more of those, I think, coming up at the end of the year. So definitely a whole new world. There's no one that'll laugh at your jokes either. So, yeah, you know, yeah. It's just you going, ah, oh, and then silence. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't feel as big time as well if you just sat doing it in like, you know, your underpants or whatever. I mean, well, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, well, I'm I saying we up. all work <laughs> It's like the weatherman thing. It's just from like the top up. Everything else is just a mess under the desk. <laughs> no one sees it. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, you'd like to talk about? You'd like to mention anything you'd like to plug? I am. You know what? I'll plug the web we want. So the whole thing with the web we want is we have this sort of in person component with like conferences and getting people to submit things so that they could share their want for the web at a conference, but we're not doing that at the moment, but we're still like taking submissions. So if there's like something that you want for the web, go to webwewant.fyi and submit something. Like it could be anything from like CSS subgrid to again, some feature in the dev tools that isn't there. I like we have, we haven't been getting submissions. And I think that's because again, we don't have this sort of, in-person event component that we usually drive people to the website with. So so tell browser vendors what you want because we are actually like taking these things and there's a feature that is in Edge Canary right now that was a web we want submission. So your thing could make it into the browser. It's like that thing with, with complaints and like, I, I don't know, Americans seem better at it, but the British folk are very like, if we complain to ourselves or maybe one other person who of no consequence, you know, and then we'll, nothing will happen, but we'll, we'll feel angry that nothing happens. It's like, you've, you've got to tell people stuff, you know, if you want something mm -hmm. to change, don't just complain that Chromium is taking over all the browsers, you know, ask about features and tell them this doesn't work or this could be better. You know, you've got to tell somebody and this is a great platform. So that's what you say, the web we want, uh, web we want dot FYI. You can find out about that. You can go to webhint, which is webhint.io. That's great. It has a VS code extension. It's a bit like a linter, isn't it? It goes through and tells mm -hmm. you this accessibility is terrible. Don't include this uh, theme meta tag, as I found, because it, it doesn't work anymore. You can find out more about Stephanie by going to stephaniestimac.com. That's S-T-I-M-A-C. Uh, and you can follow her on Twitter at C uh, Otter with an O-T-T-A. But all of this stuff will be in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. That's been amazing. I've learned a loads just talking to you and doing research about it. Yeah, it's thank been amazing. you. No, and best of luck as uh, with your role as a uh, product manager. Pro no, what did I say? Program manager. That's what it is. I know, really. I'm paying attention. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So that's it for another great episode. Do consider subscribing if you like what you hear. Give us a like or a share on social media. Speaking of which, if you want to follow the show, we're available on Twitter at Front End Podcast. You can follow me, Rob Kendall, on Twitter too, at Kendall Mint Code. If you'd like to find out more about the show, sponsor an episode, or be a guest, you can find out more on our dedicated website, thefrontendpodcast.site. Music